Please listen carefully. Salutations, toppers, and welcome to episode 91 of the Turn of Phrases podcast. I hope this episode finds you well, and I thank you for giving me some of your time today. If you're listening to this episode the day it drops, then yesterday was St. Patrick's Day. So today, we're talking about some Irish and green phrases. Let's leap, Rakan, right into today's phrases, origins, history, and more. Let's begin at the top. Top of the morning to you is a greeting, one typically attributed to Ireland. Some people will offer a reply of, end the rest of the day to you. This makes sense, as top of the morning basically means, may you have the best morning. So this reply is like saying, have a great rest of your day. So why does this mean best morning? And is this saying really Irish? Let's start with the meaning. Most likely, it has to do with the idea that some things have the best part on top. The two most referenced items I saw were milk and flowers. In fact, the Oxford English Dictionary lists both of those in one of its definitions of top. It says top means, quote, the best or choicest part, the cream, flour, end quote. The part of a plant many people most enjoy looking at is the top, the flower part. It's often the most eye-appealing and is often at the top of the plant. Cream is the richest part of milk, and considered by many to be the best. From what I could tell, cream seems to be the more common usage. And we know that cream has been used this way since at least the 17th century, as we find it in a sermon from 1668. It was a sermon on vanity given by Anglican Bishop Ezekiel Hopkins. He said, quote, The soul, next to angels, is the very top and cream of the whole creation. End quote. In 1796, English publisher and graphic novelist George Walker used the saying in his book, Theodore Siphon, or The Benevolent Jew, a novel, Volume 3. He used it as a way for a character to greet another, but they were in Essex, England, not Ireland. But before we get into the location the saying was born, let's look at one other meaning the saying has had. John Woolridge was an English agriculturalist, and in 1716 he wrote A Complete System of Husbandry and Gardening. In this book, while talking about some plantanus trees, he said that if they, quote, grow near together, they afford a very pleasant dark shade, and perfume the air in the months of June and July with their fragrant blossoms, and entertain a mellifluous army of bees, from the top of the morning to the cool and dark evening compels their return. End quote. This usage points to a span of time, not a well-wish, but the more common usage is still the friendly greeting. I just thought it was worth mentioning that this saying has been used in other ways. Okay, so where did it come from? None of the examples I've given came from Ireland or Irish people. So what's going on here? 
Basically, this saying has historically been used at least in England and Scotland, in addition to Ireland. But it is seen as an Irish saying mostly because of a guidebook and Hollywood. Patrick Weston Joyce, more commonly known as P.W. Joyce, was an Irish historian and writer, and is most well known for his work in Irish etymology. In 1910, he wrote the guidebook English as We Speak It in Ireland, and in it he explained that while top of the morning was a greeting, it was not the most popular one. Quote, To the ordinary salutation, good morrow, which is heard everywhere, the usual response is good morrow kindly. The top of the morning to you is said everywhere, north and south. End quote. So, even though he didn't say it was only Irish, or even the most common Irish greeting, his popularity as an Irish historian helped to link the saying to Ireland. Then, in the mid-20th century, American filmmakers were using the saying to, in their minds, make Irish characters more authentic. So, this greeting, while still considered to be Irish, is really just more of a European saying that likely came into use sometime around the early to mid-17th century. Now let's do some gardening. If you have a green thumb, it means you're naturally good at tending to plants. One might assume this saying merely comes from the fact that many plants, especially ones typically found in a home, tend to be green. And while some people do consider this to be the idea behind the saying, there are two other theories that stand out as more likely possibilities. James Crockett was the first host of a show called Crockett's Victory Garden, later called just The Victory Garden. Airing on PBS, it was a show about gardening at home, and it premiered on April 16th of 1975. Crockett hosted the show until he died in 1979, after which it was renamed, and although it had a few years where it wasn't produced, it didn't fully end until 2015. Anyway, Crockett was originally asked to host because he had written several books on gardening, and he continued to write more while hosting the show. I said all that to say that Crockett, a highly trusted and talented figure in the gardening world, says that the saying green thumb comes from the algae that grows on earthenware pots. If someone handles enough of these algae-covered pots, their thumb, as well as the rest of their fingers, would become stained green. So the more you gardened, the greener your thumb literally was. And since practice makes perfect, the more you garden, the better you are at it. The other theory comes from old-timey times. King Edward I was the King of England from 1272 to 1307, and it is said that he was extremely fond of green peas so much so that he had several serfs shelling peas when they were in season. I don't know the exact number of serfs, some sources said a dozen, others said only half a dozen, but no matter how many of them there were, the serf who shelled the most peas would have had the greenest thumbs, and would have been awarded prizes. Therefore, a green thumb was a really good thing to have. This theory, while popular, is not likely the true origin of the saying as it technically has nothing to do with gardening. Now that we have some possible origins, let's dig into the saying itself a little more. In Britain, they also say green fingers, a saying that has been around since 1930, predating green thumb by about a decade. 
Cecil Middleton had a BBC radio show in the 1930s and 40s called In Your Garden. He, like Crockett, was well-known and much trusted in the gardening world. The show was so popular that a British etymologist named Eric Partridge attributes the popularity of both Green Thumb and Green Fingers to this show. Partridge also thinks that Green Thumb came from the older saying, an honest miller has a golden thumb. This refers to the practice of judging the quality of corn flour by rubbing a little between the thumb and palm, which, if the corn used was a good quality, would discolor the thumb to a golden color. Now, let's look at leprechauns. Leprechauns are interesting little creatures. They are a type of fairy and are often depicted as small, bearded men, wearing top hats, who are usually up to no good. They tend to be solitary and like to make or mend shoes and guard a pot of gold at the end of a rainbow. If you can catch one, they might grant you three wishes to secure their freedom. The word itself comes from two old Irish words, lu meaning small and cor meaning body, which became the word lucorpan meaning small body. This became the modern day word of leprechaun. Another word for leprechauns is leithbrogan which came from the root words leith, meaning half, and brog, meaning brogue, which in this case is a rough shoe made of untanned leather. This name refers to the idea that leprechauns are always working on a single shoe, i.e. half a pair of shoes. So now we know where the word came from, but where did the leprechaun itself get its start? The earliest recorded reference to leprechauns can be found in a medieval work called the Saga of Fergus MacLeddy. This means it would have come from sometime between 400 and 800 AD. The story is about Fergus MacLeddy, who according to Irish legend was a king of Ulster. In the story, after falling asleep on the beach, Fergus is woken when three small creatures, which are called leucropanes, begin dragging him to the water. He manages to turn the tables and capture his captors, who then offer him three wishes if he will let them go. Now, up until the 20th century, their traditional garb was red, not green. Samuel Lover, an Irish poet, novelist, and composer, wrote this about leprechauns in 1831. Quote, Quite a bow in his dress, notwithstanding, for he wears a red square-cut coat, richly laced with gold and inexpressible of the same, Cocked hat, shoes, and buckles. End quote. There's not any one reason why the color of their clothing changed from red to green, but over time, various legends and creatures throughout history helped with the change in hue. Now it's time to get a little ill. If you're green around the gills, or green about the gills, then you don't feel well. It's most often associated with someone who looks nauseous. Now, the person doesn't actually look green, but they might be pale and sweaty and generally just look out of sorts. Typically, a healthy fish has red gills, so the idea behind this one is that green gills mean the fish isn't well. But since humans don't have gills, how did this become a saying? The exact origin is lost to history, but in old-timey times, gill was used as another term for face specifically the area beneath the ears, around the jaws. 
That makes much more sense for the way that we use it in this saying. Color has been associated with health for a long time, since at least the 13th century, and green was the color connected to being ill. Alternatively, the saying rosy around the gills has been in use to say someone looks healthy or angry since the 17th century. And in addition to green, people have also used white, yellow, and blue around the gills as well. Some people think that green won out because of the alliteration of green and gills. One more idea is that gill sounds like ill, and that is part of how the saying came to be, but I didn't find much to back this up. It certainly is possible, though. That's all there is for this one, so now it's time for today's familiar quotation. Toppers, today's familiar quotation is from Francis Bacon. Here's what he had to say about green. Quote, This is certain that a man that studieth revenge keeps his wounds green, which otherwise would heal and do well. End quote. Thank you, Mr. Bacon, for giving us today's familiar quotation. All right, toppers, it's time for today's For Better or For Words, love advice from old-timey times. Remember that this advice is over a hundred years old, and I'm sharing it for entertainment purposes only. Now, let's hear from the ladies first. Don't say, I told you so, to your husband, however much you feel tempted to. It does no good, and he will be grateful to you for not saying it. And now for the men. Don't let off steam on your wife or children every time anything goes wrong in the garage, or the garden, or the fowl house, or the dark room. Try to realize that they have nothing to do with it, and that it is unfair to make them suffer for it. All right, toppers, that's going to do it for episode 91. Thank you for lending me your ears today to turn some phrases. As I always do, I hope you enjoyed the episode and that you learned something along the way. Check out my website, turnaphrases.com, to find out information about the show's social media, for details about the music I use in the show, and much more. If you had a good time listening, please consider subscribing or leaving a rating and review. Also, if you know someone who'd enjoy the show, please tell them about it to help spread the word. Thanks again for listening to the Turn of Phrases podcast, researched, written, hosted, and produced by me, Brisky. Until next time, toppers, the rest of the day to you. Toodaloo! Let me rephrase. Let's leap, Rakan. <laughs> it was a sermon on vanity given by Anglican Bibbi.
and perfume the air in the months of June and July with their fragrant no with their fragrant fragrant <laughs> with their fragrant blossoms and entertain a malefic <laughs> what and entertain a malefulous mellifluous flulous mellifluous mellifluous 